Welcome to today's edition of the Bible Class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of 1 Peter. You may send your questions by email through our website at whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Or you may mail them to the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. And now, here is Dr. Hill with today's lesson. Welcome to the Bible class. We're continuing our study in 2 Peter, the second epistle general of the Apostle Peter. We're at verse 3 of chapter 1. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, the second use of the word precious in this book, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We see there in verse 3, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things, we see that term, his divine power, is a title for God. Now, this was a title, his divine power, was a title used by Jews who revered God so much that they would not pronounce his name. They would not pronounce his name Jehovah, Yahweh, they called him Elohim. Many would not even use Elohim. They simply called him his divine power. Notice it is through God that we've been given all things that pertain unto life and godliness. And it's been given through the knowledge of him that is, of God, who hath called us to glory and to virtue. Let's talk about virtue. Virtue pertains to those things that are virtuous, that are of purity. We say that someone plays the violin, that they're a violin virtuoso, comes from the same Latin term, which speaks of the purity of the performance. And when we are virtuous, we are pure in our hearts and in our doings. So it's according to God who hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, meaning the good things of life, through the knowledge of God that hath called us to glory and virtue, that all things righteous, if you will. Pure, all things pure. Whereby, this is verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious 
promises. We had a precious faith in verse 1. We've got precious promises in verse 4. These exceeding great, that means greater than great than great than greater than great, and precious promises. These promises are the promises of the hereafter as well as the promises of the here and now. The promises of a home in heaven and glory forever. That by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now is this by your power that you're escaping the corruption that's in the world? No. Not by your power, not by your ability not by your might. This is the fact that we have become partakers of the divine nature because of our faith in the one true and only God, almighty God, the maker of heaven and earth, God, the heavenly father, God, the all-knowing, all-wise, all-powerful, God, Jehovah, we have become a partaker of his divine nature through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so we escape corruption because we're in Christ. Do we come into contact with corruption? Yes. Are we smeared sometimes with the corruption of the world? Yes. Does it make us dirty sometimes? Yes, it does. And how are we cleansed? We're cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. We have no cleansing ourselves. We only have the plea of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only plea that we have for salvation, for cleansing, for virtue, for glory, for godliness. It is the cry that we make in our heart toward forgiveness and that forgiveness is in Christ Jesus alone. Verse 5. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Now these are difficulties for us in the English because they are so many and so closely aligned that it makes it difficult for us to talk about them. It shouldn't, but it does. And so we need to parse it out. We need to take time to discuss what these things mean and how they apply to each of us. In verses 5, 6, and 7, Peter urges those who are reading this letter to grow into spiritual maturity. It's often called perfection in much of the Bible, but it is also rightfully known as maturity. And the perfection mentioned often is maturity. That's how we see it. That's how we understand it. 
And so Peter here is urging those who read this, which will be his final epistle, when they read this final epistle, that they will be called upon to grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ all the way to being mature in Christ. Add to your faith shows us that we should grow after salvation. Virtue is moral excellence. Knowledge is spiritual truth. Temperance is self-control. Patience is endurance. Godliness is God-likeness. Brotherly kindness is brotherly love. And charity is unconditional love, the same as the love that God has for us. This process is lifelong. It never ends. It is a spiritual journey. It is a lifelong cycle of spiritual growth for all believers. No one, as best I can tell from reading of Scripture, no one has ever achieved spiritual maturity no matter how long they live. Now they come close. You've met some godly people that are so close to spiritual maturity. You marvel, and rightly so. You marvel at their abilities, at their self-control, at their spiritual truth, at their endurance, at their godlikeness, at their brotherly love, at their unconditional love. You marvel at it, and yet they would be the first to tell you that if you wanted them to say, I am perfect in Christ, they could say, yes, in Christ I am perfect, but in this life I am not. If you wanted them to say that they were spiritually mature, they would tell you that they were on their way to become spiritually mature. And they would be absolutely correct, according to what I see in Scripture. I remember reading often of John Wesley when I was in my studies many years ago now, but I remember reading of John Wesley quite often, quite a lot. And as I would read of John Wesley and of his rising early and being on his knees for more than an hour every morning, before he would begin the day, and sometimes two hours, reading that at his home next to his bed, there were in the floorboards there indentations where his knees had worn these grooves in the boards, because every morning he was there on his knees, morning after morning after morning after morning, and yet this man, who was considered among the most godly men ever to walk the earth. This man, John Wesley, when he was asked, do you believe in perfect love? Now that was the term we would call spiritual maturity. In his time in England, they called it perfect love. 
Do you believe in perfect love? Have you achieved perfect love? He would say, yes, I believe in perfect love. And I believe that the human person through Christ can achieve perfect love. We would say spiritual maturity. But I have never attained it, nor am I aware of any other human being that has ever attained this spiritual maturity that we seek. Now this is John Wesley saying this. We're talking, what's that, 300 years ago? Almost, I guess. Anyway, long time ago. And he said, I've never made it. I don't know anybody who has. I believe it's possible, but I haven't made it. When we think of these things that Peter wants us to add to our faith, they're all important, and they need to be added to our faith every day. And the fact that we are going to have ourselves as humans unable to make it to total maturity in spiritual things should not keep us from striving for that victory. And the victory will be ours, by the way, when we're in heaven, for sure. We know that. But these are the things that Peter's writing and says you need to do because it's important for you to go on to this spiritual maturity. Verse 8, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. These are the things, says Peter, that will enable you to serve your Lord and Savior. And that is a worthy and necessary goal for the Christian. And then he has the negative here in verse 9, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly, unto, or into, I should say, the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In these verses, particularly in verse 10 and 11, we're told that we will never fall and we will never fail. Now, the author's not referring to falling from salvation, but failure in living the life that Christ would want us to live. The everlasting kingdom, which is mentioned here, for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It refers to the eternal realm of God, where Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the undisputed ruler. 
it is synonymous with heaven. The one who acquires the virtues of verses 5, 6, and 7 will have their rich inheritance in heaven. And you see, this is comfort for us. Comfort beyond our true understanding. And if you are at the point of being without comfort, this should bring you comfort, knowing that Jesus Christ has a beautiful home for you. I want to go back to verse 9 for just a moment. But he that lacketh these things, speaking of this maturity, this growth, is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. What a terrible situation to be in. I pray that you're never in that situation. I pray that you're never lacking in your growth in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because it's a pitiful thing if you're ever in that situation. We're at verse 12. Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, that is, in this body, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Here, Peter says, as long as I'm with you, I'm going to keep reminding you of these things, so that you can be established in the truth, so that you can live as you should live, so you can be what you should be, so that you can grow into the Christian, the mature Christian, that you must grow into. As long as I'm in this body, verse 13, I will stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Now, what does he mean by stir you up? It's the same as stirring apple butter or stirring... uh, scrambled eggs to keep them from sticking. And of course, many of you have non-stick cookware, so it doesn't matter, I guess, but uh, I know the, the times of cooking with, with sticking cookware, and you had to make sure that you moved the eggs around properly uh, so that you didn't have them stick to the pan. Same thing with apple butter. If you get the apple butter sticking to that um, cast iron uh, cauldron, you'll wind up burning that apple butter, the the sugar in it, uh, um, gets burned. And when it burns, then it ruins the whole thing. You can't can't scrape that apple butter back into the good stuff because the bad stuff's there. Well, when he talks about stirring it up and stirring us up, he's stirring us up in the good sense of keeping us understanding who we are in Christ Jesus. So as long as I'm in this body, I'm going to keep you remembering because I know that shortly I must put off my tabernacle. Shortly I'm going to leave because the Lord Jesus Christ, 
Our Lord, Jesus Christ, hath showed me that I am not long for this world. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, after I'm dead, to have these things always in remembrance. I want you to understand that the truth of Jesus Christ is what will hold you, guide you, keep you safely in Christ. The truth of Christ will keep you safely in Christ. Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, whcbradio.org, and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the Postal Service, our address is The Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. That's The Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423-878-6279. Until our next Bible Class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve Him.